Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 221. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, welcome back to The Pre-Med Years. If this is not your first time here, if it is, thank you for joining us for this first time in your life. Thank you for putting on those headphones, plugging in in the car, wherever you're listening. I appreciate it. Today's podcast is an awesome one with a student that I had worked with for her applications and getting ready to apply to schools for her second time. And we talk through her journey coming to the U.S. as an international student and navigating the pre-med path and figuring out how to get into school and now how to figure out where she wants to go to school with multiple acceptances. So let's go ahead and jump in and talk to Akusia. Akusia, welcome to the pre-med years. Good to have you. I'm excited and hello. (laughs) Hello. You are in the middle of your application season now, and we'll dig into your successes and your challenges for that. But I want to find out when it was that you had this desire to go on this crazy path and be a doctor. It started when I was really young. Um, I have, I cannot really describe a distinct moment, but I've, I have my my godmother is an OBGYN, so I think indirectly there's always been that influence. And I really, really loved sciences growing up and learning more about the human body, and I was just really fascinated by that. So gradually, it's sort of narrowed down to medicine over the years, but I never had any strikingly aha moments for that. You've had that. 
overcome a lot just to get to the point of thinking about being a physician, though. You are not from the States. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about growing up in in West Africa and the thought process behind you being a female wanting to go into what over there is considered a, a male field. Yes. So I, I was really fortunate enough um, to have parents who really pushed for me to do well in the sciences, mainly because of certain societal perspective on what females should be doing and males should be doing. I grew up hearing that boys were naturally good in the sciences and math, girls not so much. So um, my my parents, especially my father, really made sure that I spent extra time studying the sciences and getting tutorials if need be and do well in them. Also, in terms of I, I didn't really see the many female positions growing up apart from my my godmother. But even with that, that was that came with a lot of stories about certain obstacles that she had to go through pursuing medicine herself. So there was that contrast between being, I mean, being female and just wanting to pursue medicine and not just, I mean, outside my family's support though, just being in class, there sometimes was um, intimidation from people. So um, for the most part, I didn't really speak much of it. It was just more of within the confines of my household of what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be discouraged, even though I would hear, you know, some people in passing commenting on what they viewed you know, females should perceive. So I didn't really talk much about it. You ended up in the States to to do your undergraduate years, your undergraduate training. What what brought you to the States? Why did you decide to come here? And as you knew knew knowing that you were pre med, how did you figure out where in the States you were gonna go? So, um, there were a lot of factors. Um, one of the major ones were <laughs> I wanted to get away from home, not in the bathroom. I just really needed to distance myself. I am the youngest of my family and I was very protected growing up. So I just wanted to strike out and be an independent person and just see how I would survive in this world on my own. So that was part of the reason. And also, by the time I was graduating high school, there weren't any liberal arts education programs um, where I grew up. And I was drawn to liberal arts education partly because I read this book, um, The Ben Carson Story. And I remember the part where he went in for his neurosurgery uh, residency interview and somehow the conversation turned into classical music 
And with him growing up, his mother really emphasized that he got other interests outside medicine. So that really struck me. You know, here's a guy going into pediatric neurosurgery, and he knew so much about classical music, which at the time I didn't. So I was really amazed by that, and I, I wanted to pursue tertiary education where I would be well-rounded as well. So a liberal arts education seemed like the most ideal option for me at the time, and I decided to also go very far away from home. So <laughs> very, very far away. I ended up here, yeah. <laughs> How many miles away were you? Oh, I'm sure you know that number. No, actually, but I can check. That's all right. <laughs> so you so you come to the States. Are you here on a student visa? How did you come over? Yes, I did come with a student visa. Okay. So you're you're here on a student visa, an in an international student yeah. studying humanities, wanting to go to medical school. How did you how did you plan this path once you were here? Were you planning on going back to to West Africa to to study medicine? Were you planning on staying here? How are you getting the information that you needed to figure all this stuff out? So for some reason, I just knew I wanted to stay here, mainly because of the number of medical schools here in this country and, um, you know, access to all sorts of research and potential mentors and, you know, high-tech equipment to use. I mean, learning more about health policies. I just felt that pursuing medical education here, I would gain a lot more from it than going back home. So going back home wasn't really an option for me for some reason. I was just very focused on getting into medical school here and pursuing medical education here. So I, um, our school had a pre-med committee and I got a lot of information about applying to medical school um, from undergrad. And at that time, I didn't find it too daunting because from my high school, I did international baccalaureate. And that was a pretty, pretty intensive course load for a high school student. So I, I didn't, I saw it as challenging, but I knew it was absolutely doable. And I, was, I also loved the fact that apart from just doing well in school and applying to med school, part of the process also required you to you know, have all these extracurriculars and just explore other interests. So I love that it wasn't so straightforward, you know. There are other ways to make yourself look like a competent applicant. So you're I was drawn to that. Yeah, you're an international student at a U.S. school interested in going to U.S. medical schools. How did you figure out the the barriers or obstacles that you'd have to overcome to to get into a U.S. school? Well, mainly for me, um, the advice I got from 
a pre-med advisor at my school was that it was very close to impossible to get into a U.S. medical school as an international student. So my options were do extremely well in school and on the MCAT and have above stellar grades and MCAT scores or um, show proof of, I think, almost like 200 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, bank account stating that you'd be able to pay for it. And also one route that I was told was pursue an MD PhD. Okay. So those, those are the options that were given to me. What was the hardest thing for you coming over to the States, starting off on this journey or going through this journey and to where you are now, what has been the hardest part of this pre-med path for you? Oh, there are a lot. <laughs> I would say for me, especially having gone through this process twice, I would say the, you know, it really takes a blow at your self-esteem and self-confidence. And it sometimes is a constant struggle to be positive and not give up. Because obviously when you quit, you are out of the game and you want to stay in. But kind of gathering the necessary gumption, you know, to stay in it sometimes can be extremely challenging. There's been a lot of tears and doubts and heartache in it. And just pushing through is not entirely easy. How do you push through? I talk. (laughs) I mean, I've spoken to you. I talk to my husband. I talk to my family. And also importantly, other peers of mine going through the process. It's just so easy to have a better perspective on things when you realize that you're not going through this alone. There are other people going through it and you'll make it. And also talking to other people who've been through it and are in med school or residency, just so you know that it, it, it does take some blood and sweat, but it, you'll survive it. Whether you choose to survive it or not really depends on you, but it's doable. So yeah, talking, talking it out with all sorts of people. <laughs> you, so you, you came to the States pre-med, wanting to be a doctor. Did you ever divert from that path? A little bit. I did think about um, becoming a financial analyst <laughs> for a while. I I took an interest in economics when I was in high school and pursued it. I took a bunch of economic classes and that got me into taking some business classes as well. So that seemed like a a good alternative to medical school, but it was just briefly when it came to business law, it was just all too gibberish for me. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe not. So, back to the plan. You mentioned applying twice. Talk about yep. your your first application cycle. What what did you learn going through that first application cycle? What mistakes did you make that that you want to pass on to the student listening? Okay, so this is why I say listen carefully. Number one, <laughs> apply early. <laughs> that was probably my biggest mistake. So I remember applying. It was I clicked submit on Sunday, twenty sixth of October. <laughs> Of the application, I know. Please don't do that. Don't don't ever do that. And also, it is a lot of work trying to come up with a very good application. Do not underestimate that. The process is extremely competitive. You want yours to stand out. So as much as you have to apply early, start working on the application early as well. So... Early, number one. Um, number two, I think have a plan in terms of time management. It, it can be time consuming. So you need to schedule your you know, times for whatever else you do in such a way that you have adequate time to focus on your application process, be it writing personal statement, um, writing your extracurriculars, research in schools, writing secondaries, it all takes time. And if you, you know, you decide to have other people look over your work, which I really advise that you do, you also need to take other people's time into consideration. So you want to give yourself enough time to put out good drafts and you also want to give other people you choose to look over your work enough time to look over it, give you um, good feedback so that you can incorporate it. So apply early. I mean, I think it all boils around time. Apply early and give yourself more than enough time to work on your application. What was the hardest part of the application for you? My personal statement. (laughs) The personal statement and secondary essays. So the personal statement was very tricky for me in the sense that I fell into the trap of writing out something that I thought the admission officers wanted to see or know about me. And I didn't really focus on you know, my motivation behind wanting to pursue a medical career and my journey. So I really paint a very vivid, you know, visual picture for them to get to know me. I, and also through that, I realized that there were a lot of um, kind of like personal issues behind my medical journey so far that I hadn't dealt with. <laughs> there might have been some tears. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been some tears in those discussions. But that's okay. Yeah. That's between you and so, me and nobody else listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was 
That was tough, you know, trying to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. I guess. But and um, being vulnerable in sort of like a sophisticated way, like you just don't want to be a Debbie Downer and not have an admissions officer look over your work and be like, oh, I don't want to deal with you. Maybe you're too negative. Yeah. So you're being vulnerable, but also trying to portray yourself in a positive light. Yeah, that's a good, well. way, good way to think about it. You you had mentioned writing about what you thought the admissions committee or the 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 interviewer at that point would want to read. Were you were you trying to describe qualities or traits that you thought you had that would make you a good physician? Is that what you mean by that? Exactly. You know, pretty much. Oh, I did X, Y, and Z. Like, look at me. Check me out. I'm good. You should, you should <laughs> accept me. I'm hot stuff. That, look at me. <laughs> right? And that that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And I also think that I, I didn't really, at the beginning, kind of, I didn't dig deep enough into how the interest started as well. You know, I I know I made that mistake of, you know, I like science, yeah. so medicine came naturally. And I remember you pointing out to me that there's there's that bridge in between, and you wanted me to focus on that and talk about that. Yeah. So there were a lot of reflections, and not to digress, in that sense, I would advise pre-meds to really journal things down. Yes. Very important. So, <laughs> yeah. so we we went through this process, and I kept hounding you and, and asking you questions. What do you think was the question that helped you the most? Try to get get to that deeper root of why you were trying to pursue this. I would. I think more of why why I did certain things and what I learned from them. And I know that sounds very obvious, but I don't think I I focus on those too much. And those forced me to be very reflective and pretty much just play out experiences in my mind. And yeah, like what, what I learned from them and how those experiences have influenced my decision and me as a person. How did I grow from it? And how does that translate into um, how the kind of physician I'm going to be in the future? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was one thing I, well, not one thing. One of the many things that I that you highlighted out to me was this is not just about med school, but looking back at these experiences, how how is that going to affect the kind of physician I'm going to be? And I wasn't thinking that far out. Yeah. Because that's the end goal. You know, med school is kind of like one of those intermediary stepping stones, but you forced me to really project further. <laughs> it's a big old stepping stone. But- <laughs> But it is. Yeah. It is one of those uh, those intermediary steps. So definitely. So you 
your your first application, I'm assuming you didn't get any interviews applying just a couple days before the deadline. Is that correct? Very correct. Okay. So how do you how do you go from applying and, and I'm assuming at that point you didn't know that you were doing things wrong. So you get back secondaries and you fill them out, but you don't get any interviews. How do you pick yourself up and keep pushing forward? I I think, well, it wasn't too horrible for me. I think it's also mainly because I had very limited knowledge about the application process itself. So it, it was tough, but... Um, I was okay. It wasn't until I uh, I started doing more research. I met you and just finding out all those little details that go into the application process and what's expected of you that I, not to scare anyone, I realized just how profound it is. Like, it's pretty important. You have to take it seriously. I don't think I really did at the beginning. So that's when it became very daunting to me. And I think that I made the, mis- the mistake of being a little bit fearful, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I was pretty ignorant at the first time. So, Did you take any time off between your first application and the sec- second application? Or did you... Did you turn right around and reapply? No, I took time off. Okay. So as I was doing my research and just realizing how much needed to go into it, I knew that I I needed to learn as much as I could so that the second time around, I would put in my best work and effort and I wouldn't look back and be like, oh, I should have done X, Y, and Z, you know, just gather all the necessary information and go on from there. So I knew that would take time. And also, um, that's not an excuse, but being out of college and working, just just a lot of responsibilities that came along the way as well. So I also needed to... (laughs) Life is getting in the way of your aspirations of being a physician. (laughs) Yeah. I, I needed to be realistic about my responsibilities and... Not just that, but just how how badly I wanted this. And I wanted this bad enough that I knew I needed to give it that necessary time to learn from my mistakes, learn more about the process, and work really hard on my next application. I didn't want to underestimate it again. So yeah, I took two years. Yeah. And you found me in there, and we worked together. What was the the most enlightening thing for you, working with me and having me kind of push you along? The most enlightening. Can I talk about two? Sure. Okay. So I really like the fact that you, you like you take your job seriously, but you find a way to make it fun. Because I'm, I'm assuming when when I came in, I was 
very nervous about the next step. But, um, and I, obviously, I mean, applying late, I just had so many red marks on my previous applications, but you didn't make a big deal out of it. Like we talked about it and it's like, you know what? It's happened. Let's focus on the future and we are going to make this work the next time around. And you were positive about it. So that definitely helped my spirits. And I, <laughs> I hope so. Be like, hey, thanks, thanks for working with me. I don't know if we have a chance, but let's try. <laughs> no, but you were, you were confident. Like, I remember you were so confident that I would have multiple acceptances. I wasn't. I was just hoping for just one. Yeah. But you were. So you were, you were able to really kind of harmonize taking the application process very seriously but at the same time, not letting it overwhelm me, okay. which is very important, I think. I see too many people just be very stressed out about this. Okay, I didn't feel so much like that with you. And also, I like the fact that um, you have a lot of experience under your belt. And um, I mean, with you and the podcast and interviewing various people, I think you really do have very unique insights into what that missions committee usually and typically are looking for. And I also really, really admire the fact that you stress on kind of owning your own voice in the application process. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of um, you, you, you help kind of grab the raw material and motivation behind it. And you find you help. I think that's the thing you really equipped me to focus on the most important things I was supposed to portray that I was losing sight of. So yeah, those are the things. Okay. But I really like number one, cause I know I, I'm a warrior, you know, I, I just get anxious and stress <laughs> out a lot. So going through this process and somehow having some positivity through it, despite all the uncertainty was very pertinent for me. Yeah. And my peace of mind. <laughs> so what was it like applying the second time? What were the the challenges that were unique because you were a reapplicant, if if there were any? I would say the pressure that I put on myself. It was sort of like you kind of messed up the first time. Don't do it again. Yeah. So you sort of psychoanalyze every tiny step towards it. And sometimes that's not helpful because you kind of dwell too much on unnecessary things instead of focusing on the bigger picture. So just, and there, there was some self-doubt as well. Cause, like you didn't get in the first time. How do you know you're going to get in the second time? So, yeah, just, I almost viewed it as a failure. And I don't, I think for the lack of a better term, I don't, I don't 
think it so much that way because I learned so much and I think it was supposed to happen. So that the second time was supposed to happen and all the positive outcomes out of it too. What were you telling yourself if you didn't get in the second time? Oh, I was, (laughs) so first of all, I, with working with you, I felt like I had, I was in a really good position in terms of, um, just right from the onset, you know, retaking the MCAT to write a much better personal statement to, you know, all the secondaries, prepping for interviews, all of that. So I, it was just so hard for me to not see how I wouldn't get in <laughs> with all the support and um, new skills that I've been equipped with since the last time. But um, I knew I would do it again. And I know it sounds crazy, but part of really reflecting into why I want to pursue this profession is I feel this is what I'm meant to do. You know, this is part of my purpose in this life that I've been given. So I I wasn't going to give up. And, you know, maybe there was something I'll do wrong and, you know, learn from it and apply it next time. So, yeah, I, I would have definitely reapplied if I didn't get in this time. Okay. We didn't mention the fact that at this point you have your green card, so you're a permanent citizen, which obviously makes things a lot easier. Yeah. What was it like on the on the interview trail after after writing about what you wrote about in your personal statement and getting a little vulnerable as you talked about and and then preparing for the interviews? What was it like on on those interviews? Did you find that you were able to to really just relax a lot more because you had been vulnerable in your personal statement and everything else that you wrote about that things just seemed easier? I mostly yes and no. Uh, I think my first interview, I definitely let my nerves take the better part of me. Um, but then coming out of that, I was lucky enough to have other interviews lined up. So I... I remember talking to you and just realizing that this is pretty much like the last hurdle you have to go through, you know, the interview. And if they like you, they like you on paper, on paper, that's how come you've been invited over. And they just want to, you know, see that you're a decent person, you interact well with people and really just get to know you. So I, I was a lot calmer the the other times after my first my first interview and I also realized that talking a lot more to the other applicants helped because everyone pretty much is feeling the same (laughs) so it's like oh don't worry you're nervous but you're like don't worry it's gonna be fine just be yourself like okay and you know just talking and finding out where they're from so I think for me 
not focusing too much on what I'm going to say during the actual interview and just really getting to know people and the campus and, you know, the other medical students there just helped take my mind off the interview itself and help me relax more. Yeah. Okay. You have a couple acceptances. You're still yes. waiting for some more. Yeah. What? Uh, congratulations on that. We won't, we won't talk about where you're accepted because you're still in the middle of this process. Um, yeah. For the, for the student listening that had applied previously like you did and made some mistakes like you did and is trying to dust themselves off and figure things out, what words of wisdom do you have for for him or her as they're on this journey? I would, well, I have a number of them. I would say, first of all, really try to figure out why you want to go into this and have a very authentic answer for yourself that you own that no matter what happens, it's, it's still what you want to do. So take some time off and really reflect on why, why medicine? Why do you want to go into medicine? And not just that, like, how can you contribute to it? What is it that you have? Because somewhere along the application, you, you're, you're going to have to either talk or write about that. So it's, it's just good to have that figured out early. And secondly, I would say know that you are more than just numbers. Granted, yes, GPA and MCAT scores are very important, but there's there's more that you you can offer than just those. So again, as a reapplicant, I know my ego suffered after the first time applying, but just know that there, there's more and, you know, just as there are more schools taking the holistic approach, they're looking at more than just the numbers as well. So take solace in that. That doesn't mean don't do well in school or don't do well in your MCAT. Give in your best shot and whatever you get, if it's decent, you know, work with it. And also, I would say... Learn learn to interact with people early. Um, I know during the interview trail, even though they said that, you know, they're not really paying attention to um, you or, or how you interact with other applicants or other medical students and also what you say, I'm sure they are. So be comfortable around people. I mean, medicine largely is kind of like a, a people interaction profession. So learn learn how to talk to people, just random people, even if it's uh, the security person at a school, like learn to strike a conversation, learn to find out more about them and talk to them. It does, not only does it show that, you know, you, you are interested in the other person, but it also shows to the admissions officers that you, you, I mean, basically, you can interact with people. 
And for me personally, it, it helps me keep my mind off, you know, the pressure of doing well, performing well in an interview. And I would also suggest that get, get all the help you, you can um, on your application. Definitely have maybe an accountability buddy, you know, for studying for your MCAT. And also with applications, make sure you find someone or some people, you know, to go through your personal statement and proofread them for you. Uh, Practice for an interview. Have mock interviews. Practice, practice, practice. Take the application process very, very seriously. And also be a nice person. You know, smile, say hi, be decent, be professional. Because it all is all going to come into play, you know, eventually. Um, I know when you, sometimes when you've had multiple interviews, you kind of get worn out. And sometimes um, some pre-meds will kind of take the non-challenge attitude. So, yeah, the real you will show up somehow. So just make sure the real you is just a decent person. All right, again, that was Akusia talking about her journey. Thank you, Akusia, for joining me, for listening to this. There are so many guests, just to give you some behind the scenes of the pre-mid years, there's so many times that I have guests on the show at sharing their stories, and I talk to them, and they're like, yeah, you know what, I, I never listened to that episode. I just can't stand listening to my own voice. And I understand. I obviously dealt with that. Everybody deals with that, but um, I, I've gotten over it at this point because we're – 221 episodes into the premium year. So I've heard myself a lot. All right. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed Akusia's story and were able to get some information that will help you on your journey. If you have any recommendations for people I should interview, topics I should cover, please shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I would like to thank Next Step Test Prep for sponsoring the pre-med years. If you have not heard of Next Step Test Prep and you are getting ready to prepare for the MCAT, you need to stop everything you're doing and go check them out, nextsteptestprep.com. They are known for their one-on-one tutoring. If I had to do it all over again to choose between sitting in a classroom or sitting on a computer and sitting through a quote-unquote class and learning from an instructor the material that I probably should have already known, I would not do that again because it was not a fun experience for me. I would have chosen a company like Next Step and used one-on-one tutoring to help me figure out how to take the MCAT for basically the same price that I would be paying to sit and learn content from an instructor. So Next Step is known for their one-on-one tutoring. No matter where you are in the world, in the U.S., you or Canada, anybody taking the MCAT, really, you can use Next Step Test Prep's tutors to help you prepare for the MCAT. But if you're not interested in their one-on-one tutoring, if you want a class or a course to cover all that material again, you're in luck. They have a new MCAT course that they came out with that covers so much material, more than the other big, big box companies like Kaplan or Princeton Review, and for less cost. You also get live office hours with the instructors that wrote these courses and 
wrote the tests that they have. So go check out their course now at nextstepmcat.com. They also have full-length practice tests that you can buy and use that simulate the real testing environment. And they have a whole set of books that you can get off of Amazon. So check out everything that they have to offer and use the code MSHQ to help you save some money as well. Thanks, Next Step Test Prep, for supporting the pre-mid years. I hope, again, that you enjoyed today's podcast. I hope you have a great week in front of you. And as always, I hope you come and join us next week here at the pre-med years. <laughs>